Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Welcome to another episode of the Sword and Shield. I'm uh, Chief Master Sergeant Christopher Howard, Superintendent of the 960th COG. And today with me, I have... Howdy, y'all. It's Bud Benke. I'm the CCO for the 960th Cyber Wing. Welcome back, Bud. I mean, I know that it's been a while since uh, you've had a conversation here on the Sword and Shield. Um, and I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about your position and uh, how that works within the wing and, and some of the changes that we're looking at. You bet. So love being on the podcast, Sam, you're doing a great job. Everybody uh, seems to, to be enjoying the podcast. Good feedback. So happy to be back on uh, our first podcast. Uh, Colonel Erich and I talked about a CCO's role in strategic planning, okay. uh, how frequently we, we strategic plan, why we strategic plan, um, who's involved, who are the customers. Right. So, yeah, so uh, we did not get to talk a little bit about more CPI specific duties that that a cco or a wing process manager does so i'm happy to talk about it chief thank you for the opportunity i I come from a maintenance background and there's a lot of data to be recorded through maintenance um scheduled unscheduled and there's millions of data points out there fail rates and man hours or you know critical parts all that right very actionable data yeah it can be discrete it can be not discrete it it can be uh you know qualitative and quantitative equally or important you have tons of quantitative data and maintenance um no kidding uh no fluff data Okay, so CPI is extremely important coming from a maintenance field. And so that's where I got my start in continuous process improvement. And I realized that uh, personnel um, management issues are just as backward as maintenance processes and procedures. (laughs) Particularly, it was a shocker coming over to the reserves from an active duty component. Scheduling is, is very different. Very, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that come into play with a reservist versus REGAF. I mean, a REGAF, you have your normal uh, day-to-day operations, um, other things that need to happen as well. Like when we're talking about maintenance, right? When is uh, this part coming in? When, if we're talking about aircraft, when is the aircraft available for, for some of those repairs? Is it a red ball? Is it not a red ball, right? And then scheduling that with the right personnel and the right shift. With the reservist, kind of add that on top of when is a reserve is going to come in? Does that align with annual two or does that align with RMPs? Does that align with, you know, the UTA, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's almost easier to run the CPI program or to participate and be a CPI practitioner in maintenance gotcha. because numbers are almost laid out for you right. and you got to put pieces of the puzzle together. I think maybe in the reserves and I think maybe when you're not dealing in such a, a, a collected data perspective, we have to use some qualitative data in management and personnel and culture. And that's fine too. As long as we can show a current state, show the future state where we want to be, right. highlight those gaps and just start chipping away, you know, piece by piece at those gaps, then then you can find any ways of process, personnel, imp- whatever improvement that you can find within an organization, you can find it. Right. But it is a little difficult working with deconflicting schedules within the reserves, something I learned within the first six months of coming on board. And so it was a shocker to me. But one thing I will say on the back end of that is that the folks in the reserves 
are probably more resilient because of it, because of so many struggles. Gotcha. Um, that's where I'm willing to put my money on. And that's what I'm choosing to believe because the improvement effort efforts that we've seen around the wing, our groups and our squadrons mm-hmm. um, have been have been really large and the small ones have been really effective. And so there's a lot of folks out there who want to take that next step and who want to make a difference. I think CPI, continuous process improvement, is not as robust, maybe not even as mature in the reserves as it is in an active duty element. I agree, right? So you have uh, on the REGAF side, it's it's really been incorporated quite well in that process, right? You continuously come back and forth, but here's where we want to make the change, making the change, hot washing, and then adjusting for the next stage. Uh, with the reservists, you know, our timelines do get expanded. As you talked about uh, that scheduling, you know, we're looking at the traditional uh, reservists being one week in a month, two weeks a year. Uh, those timelines really expand. Uh, you know, even look at EPRs. We do that every two years versus REGAF does it every uh, every year. We, we have to look at it uh, at a much more finite focus, especially for those UTAs, and then adjust uh, AT. So I can see where, uh, as a reservist, it does take us a little bit longer to get to some of those monumental changes, those large uh, organization changes. But the good piece that you did point out was the fact that we are always in a constant stage of change as a reservist, right? Um, because of the way we do business, it's one week in a month, two weeks a year. You have to adjust every month. So that resiliency is definitely there. Um, and uh, the ability to flex and uh, bounce back is far greater in a reservist, I think. Um, and that's not to take away anything from our REGF uh, brothers and sisters, right? It's just uh, some of the ways we do business. I would say that mission sets on the REGF are fairly similar. For the ebb and flow, it's just reservist. It's across the whole gambit. Sure. Standardization, right, is, right. is key. And the more experience and the more practicality that we gain, we're going to get better at it. And so that's one of my jobs, um, not only on paper, Every year during my appraisal, it's a job for me. But personally, it's it's I, I want to teach people how to fish for themselves. Right. And we, we can't expect uh, Master Sergeant Vilman to run every process improvement activity for vouchers. Right. She's right. going to be gone one day. She's right. going to be a chief one day. Right. And so we have to make sure that we can standardize her efforts, everybody else's efforts that we're currently doing when we're not in this seat one day uh, for the, for the next person. No, it it actually spurs a thought to me right now. A good point, right? So as we go through these processes, a lot of things, a lot of success early on is based on the personalities of the leadership in in that place, right? Or the individual taking on that particular project um, with the goal that we're going to take that that personality-based success, change it into a process and be able to sustain it and successfully repeat that, right? From that perspective, how would you challenge uh, someone out there that's looking for that opportunity, that has that passion, that has that personality to take something like, let's say, uh, vouchers like Beelman, maybe some other project and run forward with it? If they're already exhibiting those, that display of passion, that's the first step. Okay. With any job, not just process improvement. Any any job and leadership that we have, whether you wear the uniform or not, it, it is it, it's got to come from within. You've got to be able to answer the first question: Why? Right. Why is it important? And it's got to be important to you to put forth such a incredible effort because continuous process improvement can be hard. Yes, and lengthy, right? In some cases, hopefully not. Right. Hopefully, you know, it's like a noodle loop. You perform one loop. And then the next year it's loop two, the next year is loop three. Right. And you're constantly evolving through this, through this um, flight in the sky. 
Um, so hopefully a, a process improvement event is not going on for longer than 12 months. Right. Now, there's always gaps to close, right? Yes. There's never a such thing as a perfect process, a perfect storm. So it's our job to identify, close the gaps, and then ultimately, like I said, sustain it so right. that the incredible work that's done during a 90-day or a 12-month process improvement event is, is continued for the next generation. My kids might want to serve. Right. And we cannot let that effort from that individual and that team go to waste. No, I agree, right? Um, and that's... Uh... That's some of the beauty of, uh, of the process improvement is that the goals and the intent are there. And as you brought up the OODA loop, right, uh, as we go through that first cycle and in some projects, uh, it may be only a month or so in that in that first loop before we uh, move on the next is we can always adjust. Right. So I know personally from being one of the, the wing priority owners for, for a period of time is we came in there with a set of assumptions and we came in there with a set of goals. And then as we started flipping through that problem set, we realized, well, we need to adjust fire here. What we thought was the problem set or what we thought might be the um, the uh, end goal isn't really the true true statement there. So we had to adjust and move forward. And I think that uh, that, that kind of leads us to the, to the next piece of kind of pulling resiliency and some of these opportunities is how do we take that and make this into a leadership moment and uh, help develop our airmen? Yeah. So passion, again, number one, you have to be passionate about people helping and be an advocate for change. Number two, uh, teamwork and communication is extremely crucial. No matter what we do, whether I'm a janitor or whether I'm a wing commander, right? we've got to work within a team and we've got to share our, our history, share our guidance and our direction where we want to go. And again, close that gap. Right. You know, spheres of influence can be easily change throughout our our time you know i'm going to learn something from this podcast today that i'm going to be able to tell somebody about tomorrow and so if you have the ability to to share experiences with your team constantly communicate constantly provide vector checks um, and be a wingman then i think that's probably the second most important thing uh, to to understand when jumping into a continuous process improvement events or chasing a career like i have in cpi And so, Chief, I think the third most important thing for a CPI practitioner uh, to have is is vision. And so the the first two kind of mesh into the third. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to uh, be resilient. Right. We talked about the resiliency and reserve citizen airmen. Uh, We talked about the the ability to effectively communicate up and down your chain with your team, with yourself. Be honest with yourself even. And so the third thing, Chief, is, is a clear vision. Right. And so the the first trait communication, the second trait teamwork uh, will help increase that vision. Okay. And I don't mean increase your aperture because we don't want to scope creep. Right. Um, but I do mean thinking strategically. Is, right. we're, is what what's I'm that angle we're headed for? Right. That that type of vision. What, how are we going to you know kind of that uh, that line that's going to take us to that that direction? Not necessarily you know finite, but we know that uh, we're we're going to go that horizon. We're going to head towards that that direction, and we don't know what we're necessarily going to find, but we're going to try to keep ourselves tight as a group and get somewhere on that horizon. We don't know, yeah, and, and yeah. that's one of the most exciting things about CPI is that you, you're able to pivot very frequently, right. and I think that, uh, that enables a team to be very decisive. It enables a team to increase their ability to communicate. It increases the team's ability to be a wingman. 
Right. Um, because you want to show good work, but you also want to be, you also need to listen. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. No matter what role you have, right? That's a key piece that you learn through these processes as either a goal owner, project owner, um, a manager, uh, or a team member of any one of those levels is um, how do I communicate and how do I adjust and uh, learning what it, what it takes to be a good leader and a good follower. Right. The uh, the amount of growth that I've seen through CPI events, virtual or not, preferably not, right, has been has been uh, monumental in our wing. We had a visitor from the 860th come down a couple of weeks ago and they made a remark that I'm going to paraphrase as best as I can. They hadn't seen that kind of energy around the wing staff in three years. Right. And that's a that's a tremendous vote of confidence for the culture that's being spread around here. And so it, it seems like the uh, the first aspect of being a really good uh, CPI practitioner uh, teamwork, right? Uh, the ability to communicate and then the ability to to, to have a vision on where you want to go. I think it's been sh- it's been sh- proven. Right. And so it shows with our programs. It shows with evaluations. It shows with. The culture, number one, most important thing and in, in what we do is is spreading that kind of culture, catching fire and and continuing to let that fire just rage across the reserves. No, I agree. And you know what I did not hear from you, though, bud, was that there was a rank requirement, right? There was a position requirement, that there was some kind of education requirement prior to being part of any of this. Yeah. It goes to that attribute you talked about, that passion, the why. Right. If you as an individual inside this wing have a passion for whatever process, um, whatever problems that we have in front of us, then you are the candidate. It doesn't matter if you're A1C, doesn't matter if you're lieutenant colonel. Right. It comes down to having a passion, um, a desire to make that change and being able to uh, at least bring it to the table. And then we can build a team around that and move forward. Right. Yeah, Chief, if you took an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, you're you're uh, qualified. You're in. You're in. (laughs) No. So, um, you know, being a wingman is 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 something that that's not talked about. Maybe it is talked about, but I think maybe it should be talked about more. And we all have tremendous uh, abilities to decompose problems and solve them. And so if you if you're passionate, if you're a problem solver, if you enjoy learning and you enjoy teaching others to fish for themselves instead of you doing all the work, right? you're absolutely qualified to, to become a CPI practitioner. So there's multiple levels of, of CPI influence you can have. You know, you start off joining a team right? and whether you're, you're working under a priority champion working group, whether you're involved in a, a travel voucher event, whatever the event is, a leadership planning event, any any kind of event that you can plan, a burger burn. There you go. Yeah. Right? Anything. You know, you're going to get your chops. You're going to learn how to communicate effectively. You're going to learn how to how to be trusted um, with tasks. Um, you're going to learn how to carry out those tasks proficiently, um, how to communicate those tasks. Comes down to execution too, right? So it, it gives everybody an opportunity to, to show some success and learn some attributes and traits. Um, no matter where they're at inside that team. And I think that's one of the great things that we have in this wing going on right now is that culture of collaboration um, with the idea that, yes, there is rank and structure when it comes to uh, the military, uh, good order and discipline. There is um, definitely lanes for for leadership to to make the decisions. And there's also lanes for uh, directing. But when it comes to problem solving and executing against uh, that whole 
accelerate change or lose and being innovative and being inclusive and trying to get after the problem set that we have in front of us, we are very collaborative in this wing. And, and that's a point I really I love about your position is you help wrangle that collaboration quite often. Um, you help focus some of those ideas because I'll be honest with you, I've got a, a number of uh, bouts of good idea fairy, you know, popping in, right? Um, I actually, uh, as a as a younger uh, senior NCO, I even talked about uh, I was the good idea uh, fairy killer, and I'd have little stickers to stick on the desk <laughs> of all the fairies that were crushed. Uh, not 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 because it was uh, a bad thing, but you know, because I was the wrangler, right? We have good ideas. Okay, we're gonna focus on this one and we're gonna move forward. But point is, is that your position there helps take all those good ideas, bring them together, align them, help the teams form. And then you are able to stoke uh, the fire and foster that, that, that team building. And uh, you, you said something a minute ago that really stuck with me was uh, you see the growth and that change in culture. What other thoughts do you have on that change of culture and that growth that you're seeing in our airmen here at the 960-7? The first thought that comes to my mind is it's a reward to, to see culture change because it's extremely hard to, to, to change a culture within an organization. Yes. You know, um, so Harvard Business Review has put out probably the most famous study about changing a culture within an organization. It was back in 2008, 2009. And, you know, the, the cycle time in order to uh, change an organization is put at like five years. Right. And and it's probably the most documented study on on how to change a culture, how long it takes. So the, the reward for the last three years that we've been a, a wing um, has been the number one um, effect that's come into my mind. Number two is our ability to problem solve. Now, with that said, the problem that we currently have right now is that we have a lot of problems to solve. And right. we don't know exactly, with data, we don't know exactly which problems take priority. We have, we have a bunch of non-standardized tools that we use. Okay. We have rating systems. We have risk-based analysis th that we use. Right. But, it, but it's not standard across the wing. And so one squadron might use it, one squadron may, may not. And so in order for us to, to strategically get on the same page, right. we need to standardize that part. We need to use, utilize our collaboration and the problem-solving abilities that we have and, and mesh it with, with prior, prioritization. Right. And, of course, resources. We can have another podcast on resources, Sam. Lack of? <laughs> yeah, we, that, 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 that's an hour conversation alone, right? Uh, we always need more money. We always need more people. But yes, how do we get after that? Yeah, so the first thing we can do as practitioners is removing waste, right? We, we work within the confines of what we have right now, and we make it work to the best of our abilities through collaboration, through problem solving, through communication, through leadership, right? right. And so the CPI methodology and tools that we use are simple. That's my job is to teach them. And so uh, I like that part. But again, the most the, the, the greatest thing that I see is the growth and maturity of not just the organization, but the people, myself, everybody that I work with. You know, it's great to see smiling faces around the wing. I don't know if they were here three years ago. You know, I'm sure there were. Right. I, I, I won't uh, look back in a, in a kind of a dark spot, but I definitely say that uh, we've seen a lot of growth. Right. You know, when we look at the maturity of the organization as a whole, we are still fairly new as an organization. And during those first days of an organization, there tends to be uh, a lot of scrapping things together. So there was a lot of pressure putting on a lot of people. There was a lot of problem sets, as you've already identified, um, that uh, were set at people's feet. And uh, maybe in that moment, there was a suffocation 
of, of that culture and suffocation of, of being able to get after it because it was just so overwhelming. And over time and, and uh, with some changes and some uh, adjustments, I think that we're starting to be able to uh, breathe, look at the problem set, be a little bit more objective and get after it in a totally different way. And then we also, uh, as we've grown and matured as an organization, we've found some hidden talents out there and we've gotten lucky with some of those choices uh, with individuals to help us get after those problems. And so we've stoked that passion to get to the point where we have individuals taking on those problem sets wholeheartedly and we've fostered the ability and uh, the bandwidth for those, those priority owners and for those team members out there to make the decisions, right? It, we didn't choke that decision out. So we're giving oxygen to that thing and we're building that fire. And like you said, we'll run rampant with this thing, I think, um, as long as we keep that culture moving and that as leadership that we keep on um, giving the, the decision space to those individuals to make that change, as long as it doesn't break away from the priorities or get us into any kind of illegal uh, statements, right? It can very easily, right? We can, we can lose focus and we can scope creep and get away from the problem statement or the mission, but the ability to empower folks at the, at the very lowest level of, of, uh, of the air force is, is, has been incredible. That's another positive influence that I've noticed from, from leadership is that the 960th as a whole, our, our airplane has climbed extremely rapid, right? So our ability to accelerate change has been extremely steep and it was great. It's a hell of a ride. Um, it's been bumpy at times, but we're, we're leveling off a little bit. We, we found a really nice altitude where we're cruising right now. And uh, there's going to be a, a time, you know, when we maybe do our next strategic planning event where we're going to have to increase our altitude again. Yes. And it's going to be another steep climb. So, yes, we need we need practitioners at every level to to be to feel empowered, to act empowered. And then right. to empower others, for sure. Right. And definitely from, you know, being the devil's advocate and the crusty chief, right? Like, how do we know we're not perfect yet? And it really comes down to, are all these problems licked? And uh, do we have room for improvement? And I think that definitely we have uh, some room for improvement. And that empowerment uh, will definitely aid uh, getting us across that line. And on top of that, right, the outside world changes quickly, right? So even though we might be comfortable with plateauing today, as our adversaries adjust the way they do business, as uh, uh, the environment outside of the gates of the base change, um, they're gonna, we're going to have to make adjustments as well to get after that problem set a little bit differently. And that's where, as a leader, as I would challenge all of our leaders out there, where are you getting to uh, your airmen? Where are you pulling that innovation from? Where are you tapping those ideas? Are you talking to your A1Cs? Are you talking to your senior airmen? Talking to the young staff. You know, uh, those changes in our, our thought processes uh, as military members, at least on the enlisted side, you'll see the biggest uh, adjustment is when we go from airman to NCO. They start thinking about all the problem sets that they dealt with as an airman, and that's where we start to lose them. If we're empowering them in that senior airman, A1C through staff tech sergeant, I think then, then we capture two problems there. A, we get closest to the problem that's affecting our airmen, as well as we get after the empowering them to be part of the solution versus just pulling chocks and rolling. Right. I don't know if you had any additional thoughts on that. Yeah, you got to watch out for the solar winds, right? Yeah. So yeah, our adversaries are constantly working to um, to disrupt our our flow and and infiltrate. And sometimes we're susceptible. But um, you know, here, here's a plug for CPI that I that I just thought of. Speaking about the uh, Harvard Business Review, they did another study 
that uh, military, and we're talking all branches, military CPI practitioners are the most influential CPI practitioners out there because of organizations having a, a set budget, right. right? If you're working with Tesla, budget's a little different than, than what we have the 960 of Cyberwing. And so <laughs> we, <laughs> we have to be extremely mindful of that and work within our, our confines of operations. Right. Um, and so the, the ability to think outside the box is even greater in the military. And so those are, those are two reviews that I thought were extremely beneficial to me okay. going through my CPI career, understanding, wow, this is a hell of an opportunity for, for an organization, but for me individually on where I want to be, where I want to retire, um, the influence that I can uh, learn from folks and the influence yeah. that I can share with others. So. Appreciate it, but you know, I, I think that just that that that's a key off to another whole conversation that I'd love to have and dig through that um, personally. Um, but I was wondering if you want to close out this this particular podcast with any uh, last parting words. I'm ready to go eat some barbecue. Gotcha. I'm definitely I'm smelling it myself. But Bud, thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight. Thank you for your leadership and your passion for CPI. Uh, I honestly do believe that it's um, this position and you specifically helping uh, stoke some of that fire that we have in our airmen and helping us focus uh, our goals and priorities and, and making that change that we need to have as an organization. You know, we identified that over the last three years, we've seen a lot of improvements and I expect over the next five or 10 that uh, this organization is going to probably be one of the top ones in the reserves. At least that's what I'm hopeful for. Maybe I'm a little biased and I'm okay with that, but thank you so much for all that you do for our airmen in the, in the cyber wing. My pleasure, Chief. Uh, this job is extremely rewarding for me. I'm empowered every day to to work with teams, to communicate, uh, and to share experiences. So I feel extremely blessed to be here, uh, and and not only to work in in the realm that I work in, but to work with people that I work with. So uh, thank you. The pleasure is all mine. Let's go eat. Awesome. Thank you. All right, gladiators. Uh, this concludes another episode of the Sword and Shield. Um, as I like to tell you, keep on stabbing our enemies in the face through cyberspace, and uh, get after it. And thank you for all you do.